Hello and welcome to Horizon Church Online. I'm Alex and today I'm continuing our more series in Romans chapter 11 as we look at how to enjoy an abundant life. How can we live life to its fullest? And this morning we're talking about a very interesting subject. It's a very hard subject to wrap our heads around, uh, but it's very needful in our lives. Augustine, an early church uh, leader and teacher who was really foundational to a lot of the doctrines that we put into practice today. He lived about 300 years after Jesus. He was asked, what are the essential lessons or teachings of Christianity that you need to know? And he said the three tenets of Christianity, essentially the three foundational things you need to know are humility, humility, and humility. Essentially, what Augustine was saying was the ABCs of Christianity, the foundational truth that you need to grasp is humility. And not just once, but twice and a third time. And that's what we're talking about today. How the abundant life comes as we humble ourselves, as we live in humility. Now, we all have times in our life when we're offended, when our feelings get hurt, when our pride gets hurt. And you know why our pride gets hurt? Because we have pride because we're proud. Our pride gets hurt because we haven't killed our pride. We haven't lived humble lives. Uh, for the last two days, I've been around a bunch of other pastors from across the state, from all different churches, all types of churches, large churches, small churches, church plants, established churches, old churches, new churches. And, you know, pastors get together and what do they do? They start bragging about what they've seen happen, right? And some of that's good, bragging on God. And some of that gets into a place where we're trying to meet these insecurities we have by one-upping each other. And we're sitting around, you know, my pride's rearing it up like, well, I do that better or I could jump in here and say this and why is that I mean it just makes us miserable it makes us upset you know somebody says something on social media and we get all bent out of shape and we're all upset because we're proud somebody does something that we don't like or don't give us what we think we deserve we get all upset and so a life that's more enjoyable a life that's more abundant is a humble life and that's exactly the type of life that Jesus lived now, I think many times in Christianity, we have a really bad view of humility. Usually our view of humility is something like this, like, stupid, stupid Alex, you're so dumb, you're the worst, I'm just terrible. You know, and we just kind of bash ourselves and tear ourselves down. Humility is not beating yourself up or telling yourself you're stupid and you're ugly and just criticizing yourself constantly. Humility is having a right understanding of who you are and who God is and other people are in relation to who you are. C.S. Lewis said that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking less often of yourself. And so you're investing in other people. And so you don't even have time to worry about whether or not you're getting what you want or whether or not you're getting the credit you think you're due or whether or not you're here or there. You're spending too much time investing in other people to worry about yourself. Now, it's very interesting that uh, Paul talks about this in Romans as he's hitting upon all these themes about how to live and love like a follower of Jesus Christ so that we reflect our master Jesus. He talks about humility. If you're in Romans 11, starting in verse 17, it says, Now some of the branches were broken off, and you, though a wild olive branch, were grafted in among them and have come to share in the rich root of the cultivated olive tree. Do not boast that you are better than those branches. But if you do boast, you do not sustain the root, but the root sustains you. 
and then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. True enough, they were broken off though because of unbelief, but you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but beware, because if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Now, it's really interesting here. If I was preaching traditional sermons, uh, I could pull out some really interesting things because there's four words that start with S. And if we were um, preaching a traditional four-point outline, I'd pull these four words out and we'd talk about each one. We are going to talk about each one, um, but I think each one ties into how we humble ourselves so that we can live the abundant life. So let's just quickly look at these uh, these four words that he mentions here that all start with S. Starting in verse 17 is the word share. You share in the rich fruit. Um, the next word, if you look down in verse 18, is sustain, or in some translations, support. Then he goes on and he says that you stand by faith in verse 20. And finally, he talks about God not sparing the natural verses in verse 21. So first of all, let's understand what's happening in the passage so that we can make application for our life. Paul's telling the Romans, these Gentile believers, followers of Jesus Christ, not to be proud. Why shouldn't they be proud? He says, because the Jews have mostly, in general, rejected Jesus as Messiah, and so it's giving you an opportunity to respond. Um, he says, but you shouldn't get proud about that. You should recognize that the original message came to the Jews first. Jesus was Jewish. They had the law and the prophets, and they were waiting for a Messiah. As Gentiles, we didn't even know we needed a Messiah. So he says, hey, remember, you're, you're not the first person this message came to, so don't get be getting all high and mighty like you are something special. And so there's three, he kind of uses this word picture here of an olive tree, and he talks about the branches being broken off and these wild olive shoots being grafted into the tree. Well, the tree itself represents God, Jesus, having a relationship with him, being in community with him, being one with him. Um, the branches represent the Jewish people who are broken off because they rejected Christ, and the wild shoots represent Gentiles like us, uh, people who are not Jewish but have heard the message been grafted into a relationship with God. And so that's what Paul's talking about in the context. And he's talking about, hey, you don't have to keep the Jewish law. But listen, the Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah. And even though they may have rejected him, it came to them first. So remember, you weren't the first to this party. So stay humble. And that's when he goes in and uses these uh, four words. First of all, remember he said, share. You share in the tree. You're not the tree. The tree's not made for you. You're just a part of it. You get to be a part of it. And it's interesting here that he uses this word share. When we are in conflict with somebody, I see all the time people on Twitter who are fighting at each other and clawing and they take this political position or that political position or they hate this guy and this they love this guy or even sometimes it's over movies or video games or very silly things. People are just fighting over it. And I think how silly that this one thing that divides them um, completely ignores the fact that they have a million things in common. Have you ever thought about this? When somebody has offended you or you're in this argument, your disagreement, your pride been hurt, have you ever thought about they have people who love them and they love people? So do you. Uh, they're human with hopes and dreams. You're human with hopes and dreams. There's a lot more we have in common with people than we often think. 
Plato said, be kind to everyone because everyone is fighting a hard battle. The next time your pride gets hurt, remember that person who just offended you or overlooked you or didn't even think about you, they have a hard life too. They have hopes and dreams too. They have loved ones and people who love them just like you do. See, we're all alike in our human desires and needs, and many times we get fixated on the one thing we disagree with, and it turns us into all this rage and conflict. It makes our lives complicated and angry and upset, and we can't enjoy the abundant life. Why? Because we haven't humbled ourselves to think about the fact we share the same oxygen with these people. We share the same dreams and hopes and desires. At its base nature, every human being in existence wants two things, to be loved and respected. That's what everybody wants and we all share that common desire. Next you notice that he says the word support or in some translations sustain. He essentially says you can't do this on your own. You can't make it through life on the own. You're part of the tree. If you were on your own you'd be dead. If you don't have roots you're going to die. We all need each other. We all need God. At the root and at the root nature of pride is this idea that we can be independent of God and independent of other people, that we can make it on our own. And so we can stand up on a pinnacle and say, I did this. And the reality is there is probably very few things in your life where you can ever say independently that you did something completely on your own. Now, stay with me for a minute. So when I stand up here and preach, you say, well, Alex, you're preaching on your own, right? No, I'm preaching on the shoulder of great men and scholars who have come before me, whose works that I read and researched to look at this. I'm standing on the shoulders of people who translated this Bible into English because my Greek and Hebrew isn't very good. I'm standing on the shoulder of men and women who have invested in me and taught me and trained me in seminary and in churches and in classes. So we never do anything on our own. If I'm successful in my church plant or in my uh, ministry, it's because tens, if not hundreds of people have invested in me. And so we can never be in a place where we can say, I stand here completely on my own, pulled up by my own bootstraps, just I willed myself to do this and accomplish it. Everything you do in life, everything you accomplish is because other people invested in you and because God was with you. And so we need to humble ourselves and remember, we need other people and we need him. And the next word he uses is stand. He talks about how the Jewish people rejected the Messiah, but we are only in here because we stand by faith. It says in verse 20, they were broken off because of unbelief, but you stand by faith. Now, the whole message of Christianity is the gospel. It's the central message of Christianity. And the gospel says this, none of us could be good enough to earn God's favor. That's what the Old Testament law was about. God outlined all these things and he says, this is how far off you are from the standard of what is good and what is right. And he gave us the law that Paul says in Romans to show us how much we needed a savior, to show us how much we couldn't reach God on our own merit. And so most people are going through life thinking, if I do enough good, God will be happy with me. I can spend eternity with him. And God says the reality is 
the more you try to do good, the more frustrated you're going to realize that I can't do it. That there's every time I try to do good, I fail. I've got these destructive nature in myself where I keep destroying relationships with other humans. I keep hurting my relationship with God and I can't make it on my own. And so that's the bad news, right? But the good news is that Jesus Christ, God himself, came down to earth and died in our place so that he could trade his right standing with God for all our mistakes, all our destructive practices, all our wrong. And he promises that anyone who cries out on the name of Jesus Christ, anyone who becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, becomes his disciple, uh, will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. Saved from not only sin now, but the consequences of sin for eternity. And so we stand not on our good works, not on our good behavior, not on our religiosity, not on, you know, our moralistic deism. We stand by faith. We believe that Jesus Christ came to earth and he died in our place and that all who freely accept his free gift of salvation by faith will be saved. And so the reality is none of us deserve to be where we are. In fact, the only thing we deserve is hell. What we're given, all the riches of heaven, all the rights and responsibilities of Jesus Christ, that he freely says, you become co-heirs with me. You're now equal with me in the uh, heavenly places. That is completely unearned. And so anytime people start demanding their rights or saying, this is what I deserve, this is what I deserve, you have to take a step back and recognize that that's an unhealthy place to be. You're quickly on the path to pride because you're trying to make everything that you have and the, everything that you get based on your behavior or what you deserve. And if we did that, we'd be in a really sorry place very quickly. Grace is the idea from the Bible that God gives us good when we deserve evil. I'm so thankful for grace because if God gave me what I deserved, I'd be in hell. Instead, he gives me good when I deserve evil. When I sin, I make destructive mistakes in my life. God doesn't say, I'm done with you. I'm going to destroy you. Instead, he continues to guide me and lead me to become like Christ, changing the desires of my heart from the inside out and still blessing me. The Bible talks about how he sends rain both on the fields of the righteous man and on the fields of the wicked. He gives us good when we deserve evil. And finally, notice the last word here. It says spare. Uh, because if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. The Bible tells us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Having a holy, reverent respect for who God is. If you want to be humble with people, it starts with humbling yourself before God. Why are we proud with other people? Because most of the time we've lifted ourselves up and we pridefully stand in arrogance against God. We say, I don't want to do what he says. I don't want to obey what he says. I don't want to be put under his authority. I want to do things myself. And when we rebel and act in arrogance against God, pretty soon that arrogance spills out into our human relationships every single day. And so wisdom starts with recognizing who God is and how small you are in comparison. Yes, he's a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a God who's shown us mercy, grafted us in, and gives us good when we deserve evil. But he's also a God of tremendous size and beauty and power and demands our constant respect. If you don't respect God, you won't respect other people. 
If you don't humble yourself before God, you won't humble yourself before other people. If you want an abundant life, an abundant life doesn't come when everything in your life is straightened out and no one ever hurts your feelings and everyone gives you everything you think you deserve. An abundant life is when in the midst of disappointments, in the midst of things that would normally hurt your pride, you choose to humble yourself and you, a humble you in the midst of your problems and your situations leads to an abundant, fulfilling life like Jesus Christ lived. So you say, okay, Alex, you've talked here about humility. Um, what do we do now? Well, James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. What's fascinating is when we try to lift ourselves up, we get proud and pride always goes before a fall. But if we humble ourselves, then God lifts us up because at that point, we, our heart and our mind is in the right place that he can lift us up without it leading to us trying to take his place and take worship that rightfully deserve, uh, that he deserves to receive. Um, so what do we do? How do we humble ourselves? You know, how do we humble ourselves so that God will lift us up rather than being proud so that God ends up humbling us? Well, I think one of the things you need to do is um, look for opportunities in your life where there's something uncomfortable that you don't want to do, but that you know is right. Something that you know needs to be done, but it's going to be uncomfortable or difficult. Humble yourself and say you're sorry. Admit that you're the one who was wrong. Um, tell someone you need them. Let people know and say, hey, I need you. I'm thankful for your investment in my life. I can't do this on my own. I'm glad you're there. Ask someone for help. That's humbling, right? Because we want to do it on our own, but we need each other. Remind yourself about who God is. Read some of these passages about the holiness of God. You know, read Isaiah or Revelation where it describes the throne room of God and God is high and lifted up. He's seated on his throne and it says that the angels, these heavenly beings won't even look on him. They cover their faces with their wings because they're, they're scared to even look at God because he's so beautiful, he's so holy, he's so powerful uh, that they can't even look on his glory. Remind yourself about how big he is and how powerful he is and put yourself in a proper relationship in context to how big he is and how small we are as a result. And, you know, I think sometimes we need to ask God for awkward and uncomfortable moments that humble us. If you ask God for awkward and uncomfortable moments, he'll send them to you. I've found that to be true. And why do we do this? To torture ourselves? No. Do we do this because he's a sadistic God and he gets a good laugh out of us having awkward and uncomfortable moments? No. We go through awkward and uncomfortable moments so that God can humble us so that he can use us. You know, God will use any type of people. He'll use ugly people. He'll use fat people. He'll use dumb people. You know, he'll use all kinds of people, and I'm thankful that he uses fat, dumb, and ugly, right? Because otherwise I probably wouldn't be used. But the only type of person that God has outlined in his word that he won't use is proud people. And I think many times we exclude ourselves from seeing God work through us, seeing God work around us, and seeing God work in the lives of the people around us because we are proud and we refuse to humble ourselves and say, God, send me awkward and uncomfortable moments so that I can be humble enough for you to use me. So think about this week, 
What is something God-honoring, but also something uncomfortable that you need to do? I give you some examples there. Another one is maybe share your faith with a friend. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable, but someone you build a relationship with, tell them about Jesus Christ, tell them about the good news, that he gives us good when we deserve evil, that he loves us, that he came and died in our place, and we can't earn it. We don't have to worry about whether or not we've done enough good, but he's freely offered salvation to all who believe. Take a step of humility this week, and I think you'll find that as you pray for awkward and uncomfortable moments to humble you, and as you take steps of faith to do something that you know is right but may be uncomfortable, you'll soon find that you are humble, and when these moments and situations happen that normally would throw out your whole day or your whole week because your pride was hurt, you'll find that you can walk right through them, shake them off, and they're not a big deal. A humble life is an abundant life. An abundant life is the best life you can live. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word, and Lord, thank you for the challenge to our prideful, sinful hearts. Lord, forgive us for so much, so often, wanting to make everything about us and trying to make ourselves the center of the universe. When you are the center of the universe and you want us to focus our life on serving and loving other people. God, I pray that you'll send awkward and uncomfortable situations, Lord. I pray that you will give us the grace to walk through those and not become angry or hostile, but instead humble us so that you can use us. God, we want to be used as a church. We want to be used as a people. We want to be used in our families, in our neighborhoods, and in our workplaces. And God, we ask that you'll humble us because above all else, we want to see you work. And we know that you'll only use humble people. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
5 through 7 says, Part your heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Send forth lightning and thunder. Reach down your hand from on high. Even so, come, Lord, we wait for you. Yeah. 
you for watching our online service today. One of our values at Horizon Community Church is that we are community focused. We believe in serving the community and making the neighborhoods where we work and live and play better because we're there. We also believe in spending time together in community. We spend time not only studying the Bible and doing spiritual things, but eating together and enjoying each other's lives. Let us know how you enjoy spending time with other people in the community. Use the hashtag HangingWithHorizon to let us know on your favorite social media platform. If you're interested in supporting the vision of Horizon Community Church, uh, it costs money each week as we um, do service in the community and each month as we rent space to use for our live service. If you'd like to give, you can do so online by going to www.horizonphilly.com backslash give, or you can mail a check to P.O. Box 979, Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, 19010. On November 12th, we have a serve day at Villanova. It's the Pennsylvania Special Olympics, and we'd love for you to be involved. Please sign up on our website so Villanova knows that you're coming. Each week, we have small groups on Monday and Tuesday night, including a college small group on Mondays at 8 p.m. and a small group for all ages on Tuesday at 6 p.m. On November 26th, we'll have our next live service at the Ardmore Music Hall. We'd love for you to join us at 10 a.m. at 23 East Lancaster Avenue, Ardmore, Pennsylvania, 19003. Finally, if you have any questions about something that I've said today, something about the church, or just about Christianity in general, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to text, call, or email. Thank you so much, and have a week full of love and peace and joy.